This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Here we go, boys. Go. Ooh, I love that sound. This is a good one. Welcome to the Full Scale Outdoors Podcast. I am Dale Lugamil. Thank you very much for joining me and welcome to this week's recap and rant. All right, well, uh, Knife Lake is in the books. First event for Minnesota Made Outdoors. Uh, finished third. I won't recap that again. Um, but we are coming up this weekend will be event number two at Prior Lake in Minnesota. Uh, so I'm deep into... The scouting, I was going to take some time from work. Well, I moved my daughter into her new house on last Thursday and then was going to scout Friday. But we had some weather moving in, and uh, I hemmed and hawed about just going out there. Like, I don't want to sound like a a wuss, but, like, it was blowing pretty bad. Like, A, the roads are crap, but... More so, I was just thinking, like, when I'm doing the, when I'm scouting these lakes, I'm doing a lot of camera work, and I don't know how, with the way it, for as hard as it was snowing, like, that's just going to be a nightmare. I'm constantly wiping snow off the screen, and then if even if I was checking basins with, like, live scope, that screen's going to be getting covered up, and everything's, it, it just sounded like more of a hassle than it was worth. It it sucks that, you know, it gave up a day of, of scouting, but sometimes things are just out of your control i mean i do get that it doesn't really matter like had that same weather happened on game day well i'd have been in it and we just have to deal um so part of me was wrestling with that it's like well should you take the day off maybe you should just be out there you know um kind of going off that 
you know, the rocks advice, just be the hardest working one in the room kind of a thing. And so I, I had a little inner turmoil about that, um, but ultimately decided to not to not do it, um, then hit it hard on Saturday. And so I had it on Saturday, and uh, my buddy Mike calls me, hey, what do you, you mind if I come out there and just want to run my dog? And he doesn't live anywhere near Prior Lake. It's on the other end of the Twin Cities. I was like, uh you must be really bored, but yeah, I don't care. I said, I'm not going to be really fishing much. I'm going to be drilling a lot of holes and moving a lot. And he's like, oh, I just want to get the dog out for a run. Like, uh, yeah, okay, knock yourself out. <laughs> but as it turns out, I was pretty fortunate that he was there. So I thought about just running around with my Jeep because there's plenty of ice out there. There's like 14 inches of ice out there. And just doing that, but then I had my trailer with my wheeler on i'm like i'm gonna drag this thing bouncing all over the lake so it's like ah. and the wheeler's already set up like that two auger mounts on it it's like it's just gonna be it's, it's just kind of nice to hop off the wheeler and have everything there i'm like ah screw it i'm just gonna use the wheeler and then mike drove around in his truck well i take off and far into the lake and i look down I'm like ah oh, crap i never put gas in my four-wheeler but i had like two dots on the little gas gauge thing I'm like gosh I should have enough for a while. If I need to take a break at lunch, get something to eat, get some gas, so be it. Well, I get to the other end of the lake, and all of a sudden it's blinking already. I'm like, ah, crap. Really should have got some gas, but still didn't think too much of it because I've driven around on that level for quite a while. Um, Four-wheeler does a pretty good job on It's pretty fuel efficient. But after about the third or fourth stop, the, it was hesitant to start, and then the next time it did not start. And I knew I had plenty of gas in there, but it sure was acting like it wasn't getting gas. And so we messed with them like, well, and I finally threw my hands up in the air. I was like, it must actually be out of gas. So thankfully Mike was there, so we jumped in the truck, and he had a gas can, so went and got gas and drove all the way back. And... uh you know, filled it up, put all that gas in there, still wouldn't start. And so now I'm messing around and I'm like, man, is it froze up? Is it, you know, really? I mean, it was cold, but it was actually kind of a nice day. I think it was like nine degrees, but there was like no wind. Sun was shining. It felt great. Um, I could not get that thing clean. So I started taking stuff apart. I noticed there's this little like glass bowl hanging down. And I kind of assumed that was my float, but that was full of ice. Hmm. I'm not sure that's supposed to be that way. So I took that off and emptied that out. And then I went into my whole air filter, air intake compartment. And there was some mice that would make some a little bit of a home in there. It wasn't too bad, but I'm like, well, it's, I don't think that's the problem. But while I was in there, I cleaned all that out and um, got that ice cleaned out. And, I, and from what I under, understand now looking at it, this is just like some sort of catch jar for sediment or water or something because it just there's nothing there it's just like a big plastic tub with the with this little glass thing on the bottom of it and that's the air and it goes you know there's a filter and then it goes right down into the into the engine um couldn't get the thing to start i'm like well hell shit let's go back into town now and go get a, a jar of heat and uh some starter fluid and see what we can do so drive back into town come back out I, mean, I, I don't know if I'm supposed to do this, whatever. I just dumped that whole jar of heat in there. <laughs> I'm like, if there is a, if there is water in my gas, I need to get it out. And then uh, 
had that whole air intake thing taken apart again and just sprayed a bunch of starter fluid in there. She kind of coughed right away. I'm like, well, I was burning that at least. And figure if I can do that enough time, maybe it'll push something through. And a couple more tries of that, she fired right off and just let it run. So um, it was really good that he was there because that would have been a long walk back to my truck, at least the first time. Because then I would have just drove the gas out there and back and then back in town for the start fluid and all that. But that first hike back would have sucked. That was a that would have been a long walk. That's like almost the entire length of the lake. And that would have been not good. And that insult to injury, I hadn't really laid eyes on a fish yet. And 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 the camera holes that I drilled. It was in this one spot, and I it was actually like kind of a community hole. I started shallow and was working my way out. Beautiful weeds. Again, like, is this going to be my curse this year, finding beautiful weed patches that hold no fish? Because I ran into that a lot on this lake. So then I actually just moved out into, like, the community hole. There's a bunch of permanent houses and stuff. I assumed there's got to be fish there. These houses wouldn't be there. Still didn't. Still didn't lay eyes on a fish. Guy comes out to fish his house. I start talking to him, and he's like, yeah, we are doing pretty good out here a couple weeks ago. And I don't know what you guys are fishing for. I literally have not seen a fish. It was crazy. And then uh, then the Wheeler thing happened, and that chewed up a pretty good chunk of the day. But then after that little break, then ran and tried this other spot and started finding some fish. And uh, not, still not really where I wanted to find them. Definitely not the size class I wanted to find. And... Uh, yeah, that was that was scouting day number one. I can't remember if Joel had to do something that day, but he wasn't able to come out. But so Saturday hit it again. Joel was there. Austin came out. Nolan came out. Uh, it was pretty fun, uh, just running around with the boys, checking off some spots. Uh, you definitely more. You can be more efficient when you got you know one guy drilling, one guy moving the live scope, or drilling ahead of you, one guy dropping the camera. Sometimes I think it helps to you know divide and conquer. You go over there, and you I'll go over here. But then other times, it is pretty nice to work more in tandem. It's definitely a lot more fun, more social to do that. But, you know, I guess you got to kind of weigh your options as far as what's the best option and breaking down that lake. But we hit a fair amount of water, started getting kind of an idea of uh, at least where we can get a bag, full bag of fish. Still not really the size structure we want. And, um, I don't know, I'm not convinced. We've still got some time. The event is this Sunday, so pre-fishing Saturday. I'll be pre-fishing more than likely. I'm going to try to get out there Friday again. Um, I kind of, now that Knife Lake panned out the way it did, but we were able to find, like, a subpopulation of better fish, definitely higher caliber crappies. Like, <sighs> that's in my head now for this lake because everywhere I go, I'm kind of seeing the same size structure everywhere. And it's not really what I want. So I'm kind of hanging on to that. Somewhere there's got to be a population of better fish out here. And we have got to find them. Because not only do I want to keep the momentum rolling, my goal of finishing the top five every event this season, which is a lofty goal. Obviously the grand scheme is to win team of the year, but so much has to go right for that. But also this is a qualifier event for the NAIFC. So it's the first year they're doing it. And the, the top five teams that registered to be in the NAIFC, this is their qualifier. So a little bit of added pressure on this one. Um, 
So, and, and I'm feeling the pressure. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. I'm feeling the pressure. And uh, so I just need to put my head down, get out there, scout, um, break down as much water as I possibly can. Just know that lake as much as possible. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say about it. I Right now, I'm not super confident in a, in a top five finish. Um, but I guess we'll just have to... We'll have to wait and see. Got got more time, more definitely plenty of water to break down. So that's that was my uh, that's my recap. I don't really have much else to tell you. That's what's kind of <laughs> unfortunately going to be the recaps for a while because it's tournament season. And in a couple weeks we have a, a another one, and then uh, then in between three and four is the Frankie's tournament, and that's a giant one. So I'm going to have to pre-fish for that one. The first place is ten grand for that one. So that one's going to be high on my list to scout efficiently and effectively as well. Um, yeah, so we'll do that. And meanwhile, like Nick's heading down. Nick Jay is heading down to uh, Oklahoma next week with Joe Heinz, and they got their big annual hunt down there. Um, ducks and geese. And, dang it. I kind of want to do that. But when am I going to do that? When am I have time? Just not gonna have time. Oh, and I saw Jake Felt was out on uh, out west slaying giant lake trout in the Fort Peck area. I'm like, oh my god, I want to do that. When do I have time for fun fishing? <laughs> it sucks. It sucks, but it doesn't suck. I, it's like I just I need another me. I need the me that can tournament fish and then the me that can fun fish. I don't know if that's possible, but uh, man, I need a clone or something. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, for my rant, it's not really going to be a rant. Um, it's more of a more of a quandary. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start an open discussion here. Was a, a a couple things that I'd read, and then a couple things I heard in some podcasts kind of got my mind going. So um, it was interesting on, on the Mediator podcast. I was listening to an event, and somebody from Minnesota. They were talking about LiveScope, and um, the, the lady that was on there was like, oh, there's a there's a tournament league in Minnesota that they have banned the use of LiveScope. So they're talking about Minnesota Made. Minnesota Made almost got a shout-out on the Meat Eater podcast. That would have been cool. Um, but I was like, well, we're not really, we didn't really ban it, but we chose not to use it on tournament day. You can use it to scout and pre-fish all you want. But a couple reasons for us was that just didn't want it to be like, a money barrier as to who is competitive and who is not because um, it definitely gives you an edge but also it separates us from the other league other leagues you know like we'd be the only one that doesn't do it so it's just might as well be different and instead of having you know three leagues that are all around this exact same way like what's the point of that so that this kind of separates us makes us a little bit different but we definitely didn't ban it per se so i thought, thought, thought that language was a little harder but that you know and they were talking about um, they had made a link between, you know, the use of live scope. And then there's been a couple states now, one for sure, I think maybe two, that in one way or another have banned the use of cell cameras, trail cameras. Um, and I think some, I think one of the states, I should have looked this up instead of just paraphrasing, but one of the states I think banned uh, all trail cameras during hunting season. And then the other one was more just the um, just the uh, remote viewing ones, just the cell phone ones. And then they, you know, got talking about the ethics of this and that. 
um, and is that really hunting? And kind of the progression of of tech. And so just kind of, I don't know, I've just kind of grabbed all of that and and started thinking about it. And I don't I haven't really formed a solid opinion on it. And that's kind of why it's like this isn't really a rant. It's just kind of throw some stuff out there. I'm curious as to what everybody else thinks, what your opinions are of it. You know, as far as live scope goes, uh, you know, we've had this discussion before. You know, it's another technology. Does it give you an advantage? 100%. There are days that it gives you an advantage. But I've also seen it where you can see the fish, but you can't get them to bite. So it's not, it's not a, it's definitely not a, a magic wand. And then in that, you know, I think it kind of comes down to your own ethical use. Um, you know, if you're out there using it and you're taking a, a limit every day, you know, that could be a problem. But again, how many people have this unit? You know, there's a lot of tournament guys that have this unit, but a lot of tournament guys don't keep a lot of fish. So, you know, what is the overall impact when, when kind of outside people are looking at it, state legislatures are looking at it, you can definitely see the optics as why they would think it might be a problem, why they... They, they feel it might need some sort of legislation. But is there an actual study that goes along with it? Like, is there anything that that's, shows an actual marked um, detriment to a fishery after the introduction of this technology? And I guess I would kind of like to see the same thing as it pertains to trail cameras. Now, I'm not a crazy trail camera guy. I have a couple. I put them out. You know, I'm not one of these guys that has, like, a trail camera on every single deer trail on their hundred acres, you know, like they know everything and, and their cell cameras and they're getting real time information. Like they can literally be sitting in their stand and get a text message that, Oh, there's a buck coming straight at me. Cause they know what camera it came from. You know, that's basically like the live scope version of, you know, for fishing for hunting, <laughs> you know, live scope, you can see this fish, 50 feet away and it's coming at you now you can kind of get ready instead of just like even with your normal vexlar flasher or markham or whatever brand you know you're not going to see it till that fish is under the cone you're like oh there's fish you can start working it with live scope you see the thing coming from however long you have it set far away so these cell cameras i can see it's like your live scope of hunting right you like you're out there and all of a sudden boop boop oh here comes the deer boop boop getting a little closer boop boop you know you're getting these these real-time pictures and uh you could see the argument being made, like, is that really hunting or is that ethical hunting? Is that fair chase? But I just feel like when you go down that road, there, there's so much nuance and so much gray area. It's like, where does it stop? Because yes, it's a new technology. And yes, it can be used this way and, and gives you an advantage. But okay, let's say we, we take that away. Your hunting clothes are still way better, keeping you way warmer. We have electric, we have heated, you know, rechargeable coats and socks, you know, boot warmers. Um, just the clothes in general are better. You're, if you're bow hunting, your bows are lighter and faster and stronger and the, the arrows are lighter and the broadheads are sharper. And, you know, even when it comes to guns, now you got, you know, and, and I think this is actually true. I think in some places, you know, you got these scopes that, like, automatically adjust for droppage. 
and even windage and all this other stuff. Like all this technical advantage stuff is out there. And some states, I think, are, are limiting the use of those high-tech scopes. Well, it's like a scope in and of itself at some point in time was the pinnacle of hunting technology. It's like, where do you dial it back to? Iron sights? You got to make your own bow and chip your own. You know, obviously that's an extreme case, but the point being, that's and that's what I mean, but like, I don't have an answer for this. Like, I'm just, I just, I just want people to kind of think about this because it's knee-jerk reaction. It's really easy to just go, yeah, you shouldn't be able to do that. But why? You know, and in this uh, podcast, you know, they, they alluded to drones. And right away, they shut drones down for hunting. And I don't, and there wasn't much resistance because they were so new. People didn't really get to have a chance to start using them and, and become dependent on them. So there wasn't any, like, drones for hunting lobby, per se. I think everybody was like, yeah, that's kind of an unfair advantage. But again, it's, it's not that much different than live scope for fish. Like, if you're able to, you know, you're, you're still um, limited by flight time and distance, depending on what drone you get. I mean, I think they go, you know, mile, mile and a half, maybe two miles away, which that's a long, don't get me wrong, that's a long way. And especially in out west where it's wide open spaces, that could come in real handy. Here in Minnesota, there's a lot of places. If you're in the deep woods, a drone isn't going to really do you much good anyways. You fly that thing above the canopy, you're not going to be able to see in. It's not really going to help you. Um, it'd be good for duck hunting. You know, if you had a, a swamp up over, you know, you could send it over and see if there's birds and you're using your swamp or your lake or whatever. That would definitely come in handy for that. Um, there's definitely uses. But anyways, they, they pretty much every state put the kibosh on, on huntings for or uh, drones for hunting, you know, like instantaneously. But you'd almost like want, again, like I said, it's like, is there a study? Is there some way to tell if this stuff is actually having a negative impact on game numbers? Or are we just like giving in to our emotions or our knee-jerk emotions? And um, I don't know. That's why ethics are slippery slope, right? Because... You got baiting is legal in one state for deer, but it's not in the next. Um, you can run dogs for deer in South Carolina. You can do all this stuff. And I know I've brought these points up multiple times, but that's why ethics is kind of a, it, it can get really messy. And it's just, I hear a lot of this complaining, but I don't hear a lot of solutions. And I'm not sure there are solutions, but at least like, Digging deeper and thinking about it at least lets me know that you are just, in fact, thinking about it. And it's not just a knee-jerk reaction, kind of empty opinion. Because as we all know, since you spent any time online, that you don't have to have a well-thought-out argument about anything to go on there and throw a hissy fit. <laughs> and just state that you're right and everybody else is a dumbass and, you know, whatever. But... I'm curious as to what everybody else's thoughts are uh, on this subject. And I, I, I get that it's a wide, broad subject, but that's kind of the point. Um, do you? Does anybody else even think about this stuff? Am I, or am I the only one that has too much time on my hands that thinks about stupid shit like this? Uh, but, you know, the flashes came on the scene and they wanted to ban them. They definitely had talk about it on the legislative 
uh, arena when underwater cameras came out. Like, that's not even fishing. How is that fair? Well, I don't think that our lakes have been negatively affected by cameras at all. And not that many people use them. I mean, our tournament guys use them a lot. Um, but maybe your wheelhouse guys will have them. They'll set them up and hook them to TV. That's a lot of fun. I know it's great for the kids, keeping them entertained. You know, even if they don't catch anything, if they see fish, they you kind of feel like you had a good day. But I don't really think they're helping a ton. You know, there might be days where the bite is so light that just seeing it gives you that extra little edge to catch a fish you may have otherwise missed. Or maybe you see the way you're jigging cadence, way they approach it or whatever. It might help you a little bit, but I feel like you can also get that same information if you know how to read your electronics. So it's... I hope I'm making myself clear. Like, if you know what I'm asking here, it's just like, when it comes to this technology you know and and like right now there's not that many live scopes out there because they're expensive i mean they're very expensive so a lot of people just simply can't afford it but like all technology eventually that price will come down and then would it be a problem if everybody had it (sighs) maybe and then you get into the conversation of do you hinder how you take or do you just lessen what you can take i mean i guess that's why you got to look at the fishery and see what it needs is if it's not i mean that's why a study is important i feel before we make any kind of broad sweeping legislation make any decisions like that it's like let's find out for sure if it's actually harming our fisheries because if it's not well then then, then it's like it's a victimless crime. It's not even. It's not even a crime. Like then, it's just a different way to fish. Um. So I guess yeah. I don't know. Anyways, what's your guys' opinions on that? Um, send me a message on Facebook or DM on Instagram. Full scale underscore outdoors on Instagram. Um, did Luganville on on Facebook. Also full scale outdoors on Facebook. I'm pretty sure my friends list is maxed out. Um, Snapchat. You can find me on Snapchat as well. Uh, I need to start making some TikToks. I have a, I have a couple on there, but I just in general need to start making more content. <laughs> Sorry, I'm I'm lame, and there may be some merch in the not so near future, but that's that's uh in my plan to get some get some merch out there. People have been asking me for new hats and stuff like that, so and I'll probably do some shirts as well, sweatshirts for sure. So. Keep an eye out for that. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for joining. I truly appreciate it. It's a short and sweet one. Uh, If you guys have a topic you'd like me to cover, as always, same thing. Get a hold of me all those same um, venues. Uh, It's always kind of a struggle to find things to talk about sometimes. So if it helps, I'll take your suggestions for sure, 100%. And then uh, that gives me something to focus on guys have done it in the past and it's helped me out a ton so all right well stay tuned we'll see how i do on the tournament this uh weekend hopefully well (laughs) you won't have to hear me pissing and moaning next week in the recap rant after i shit the bed we don't want that that would be bad so (laughs) So, it could be entertaining though
but all right everybody appreciate each and every one of you and whatever your passion pursue it full scale Thursdays with Saltwater Experience, brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts, every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. For even more content, be sure to watch the original films from HuntStand Presents on the Waypoint TV channel every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Visit waypointtv.com to learn more.